We're at chapter 7, right in the middle of it. Um, we're in the middle of 7, and we're in the middle of verse 12, where we ended last week. Let's go back, let's read the first half, and uh, let's read the first half, to, just to get to refresh our memories. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. So Jericho has just fallen. They were to take no devoted things, but they broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Notice the corporate nature of the people of Israel. We'll find that one man has done something. Uh, Maybe his family was involved. We don't know that. But the the people of Israel broke faith. Uh, And uh, Achan has taken some of the devoted things. to Verse 2, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men went up, from, went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shabarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites and destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say? When Israel has turned their backs before their enemies. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They've transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things that they have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. So that's how far we went last week in the story. Joshua is just now finding out what has happened. We knew it ahead of time. Uh, Joshua and the elders are just now finding out. And so the center of this passage is, I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things 
from among you. So, uh, God is going to be with them no more. And what can we draw out of that? Glenn, I'm not going to use that slide. That's okay. Um, There's a threat. This is a threat of God's wrath. And that's, like I say, the center. If we were to look at it, the, the, the passage points to there and then it comes out of there. But that, that is the phrase that's the center. God, uh, uh, there's threat of his wrath. That's been sort of the theme. Uh, and uh, if you don't destroy these things, I'm gone. And I will not be with you anymore, is what God says to Israel. Now, they had the ark. So we know that the ark is no rabbit's foot. The ark is no, the, it, it, it symbolizes the presence of God, right? Isn't that what, we, what we've learned about the ark? It symbolized, but it can become, and it did to David at one point, it can just become kind of a good luck charm. We know it's not by this. They're, Joshua, they're right by the ark on their face before God because they've been defeated by this little bitty city. Uh, But in his mercy, only 36 of them were killed. So even in the midst of God pouring his wrath, of of God uh, uh, bringing punishment, if you will, or judgment upon the people of Israel because they broke his word, only 36, he was merciful to them. Uh, But God's presence is necessary for Israel to continue even to exist. And there's a threat here from God. And so to maintain his presence is going to cost them as a people. All right? They've broken the covenant. It's going to cost them, and we'll see exactly how it is Uh, But how is it that God's presence will be gone if God's everywhere? What's that? His hand, his protecting hand. Yeah, that's that's a good sense. God's everywhere, right? Um, So uh, it's his, uh, he turns away. Still in his presence, but without the blessing of his favor. Um, heaven and hell sort of demonstrate that idea. Uh, this is Psalm 137. Where shall I flee from your presence? If I descend, ascend to heaven, I'm there. If I descend to Sheol, if I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. Of course, God's everywhere. He's always everywhere within his, uh, he's always everywhere. But yet in heaven, you enjoy the presence. In hell, his presence is there, but there's no blessing to it. In fact, it's just the opposite. So God is saying, you deal with this or my presence will be, I'll turn my back, my turn away. Is that? The wrath of abandonment. Someone else said 
the absence of favor or yes Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you're one of the 36 in your family, yes, of course it is. Yes. Uh-huh. the chastisement if it is. Well, he doesn't, yeah, but, but Joshua's still guilty for why? Okay, he's the commander. Yeah, I mean, again, we talked last week. They did what they typically do. They did a reconnaissance. They did a scouting mission. This is what we need to fight this many people. They made a, a judgment, if you will. Maybe it was a bad judgment, but I don't think that's the point of the question here. They've got promises to take the land. God is saying, get up, Joshua. Yes, you have a defeat. And Joshua's saying, why? What's going on? Do you ever do that? I mean, don't you do that often in your trials? And in your, and do you, do you fall down in the dust and you give it up and say, Lord, why did you bring us across here? You know, why did you just... Why me? Why, why me? I mean... Yeah, it, it may be pity party, but it's more a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust. It's, you know, it's what we do. Why, God? Why? Instead of what is it that you're teaching us through this situation? And we know, we know they've been given promises. The God who cannot break his covenant, Israel can, but God cannot break his covenant, will not break his covenant, it is a covenant that is conditional in one sense. You were going to say something more. God responsible for the outcome. And he's questioning God. And God's telling him, that don't, don't look to me, look to your men. Yeah. I fulfilled my part. Your, Israel didn't fulfill their part. So get up from praying to me yeah. and take care of this problem Within your runnings. Okay. Dennis? Deuteronomy 28, curse for disobedience. Curse for disobedience. Okay. 
Yeah. He's not asking what did we do. Mm-hmm. He's asking why did God, why did you abandon us? Right. He's saying, what did we do to deserve this? But remember, yeah. Yeah, what do we do? Remember, we, Joshua didn't know that disobedience was in the camp. He just knows they lost the battle. I thought we were going to just skate through. I mean, Jericho fell. We did what you, He thought they did what they were told to do. They burned the city down. They just didn't know Achan was there. So let's go and see how this plays itself out. Anything else you want to ask or say? Joshua is assuming. Okay. And that's a yeah. assumption. We, we like to assume it's God's fault a lot of times, too, when the real issue is how we're dealing with circumstances. Yes. I, I mean, I, that's exactly right. Is that not how we often, isn't that what we're saying when we say why? We, lost, we lose sight of Romans 8.28. All things are working together for good. We know whatever God does is right, but in the middle of it, it's hard to really remember. To live that out, it's easier to look back and see how that hard time truly was a time of edification, a time of not growing in your faith, right? But it's not always easy in the middle of it. And now Joshua has lost 36 men, and he's the commander, and I'm what, but he says, What are they going to say about you, God? I mean, at least he's concerned about God's reputation. I'm sure he's concerned about his own, too. I'm Phil. I'm just going to say, I mean, uh, this may be a reach, but, you know, David would have never seen Bathsheba had he been with his men fighting. And what about, in this case, should he have not been with his men yeah. in battle? Because maybe it would have been a different outcome if he had been there to say, whoa, whoa, what are, you, what are we doing here? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know those things. We're not told that. We are told David. I mean, what it, you know, that, that passage is when the people were out to war, David stayed at home. Well, you can say that about Joshua here. God didn't say that to us about Joshua here. But, again, could very well be. Maybe the commander should have been there. All right. Anything else? So there's the threat of God's wrath. Verse 13. Get up a second time. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel, You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man, And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire 
he and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So there's the process. Consecrate the people. Uh, And time to get honest. There's some spoils of war that is in your camp that are prohibited. So he sets them up. We're going to pick a tribe. Then we're going to pick a clan out of that tribe. Then we're going to pick a household out of that clan. And then a man is going to be marked out, man by man. And then he's done an outrageous thing in Israel, a disgraceful thing, a senseless thing. And so going to have to, he and his are going to have to be burned with fire. Always, always is God's discipline, if you will, of his people is with a desire to restore fellowship and favor. My presence will not be with you unless, and if you do this, we'll be restored. Reconciliation. But right now, there's a broken relationship. You know, and that, remember, uh, when David sinned, how was the relationship restored? Through repentance, when God sent Nathan, remember, and told the story about the little lamb. You are the man. Uh, God refused to let David uh, continue comfortably in his sin. And he sent the prophet Nathan so that he might be restored and God's name might be honored. The men do their best to hide their sin. Men and women do their best to hide their sin. Uh, but the Lord in his wrath and in his kindness will reveal our sin to us and to others if need be. So, there we are. So Joshua, verse 16. He rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. I I don't know why. I just try to picture what Aiken's thinking. (laughs) They bring the whole group out. (laughs) Okay. There's your tribe, Judah. Judah's the tribe. Uh-huh. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. Smaller group now. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. So he's been marked. Verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. 
and tell me now what you've done. Don't hide it from me. What's that? Uh, somehow the Lord's marking them out. Marking them out or, or identifying? Yeah. Or, or... Yeah, I don't know how it happened. But yeah, yeah. Just that he's marked out and now he's standing by himself. And so he points him out in verse 19 My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. You're caught. You're exposed. Um, how will this, how will Achan give glory to God? By telling on himself. How will that glorify God? Shows that God is right. Shows that God is right. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Um, One of all these people, he identified this person. Yes. How does confessing our sin give glory to God? Okay, this, we've sinned against God. It edifies us in our confession. And others. We confess it as sin. We confess it as sin. We say about our sin what God says about it. We say about our sin what God says. That's you know the what what that's what confession means, right? And when God judges those who hear the confession, know it's a just judgment that God is honoring himself uh, uh, here's what David said when he confessed his sin I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment that's Psalm 51, 3, and 4, where he's confessing his sin with Bathsheba. When we confess our sin, if God determines to judge us, as he's going to burn the whole family of Achan, God is um, glorified in that he is vindicated among his people. And this is a just judgment. Without Achan's confession... If that was to be kept secret and they judge, it would still be how awful can God be? But there's a clear command. He broke it. The Lord keeps his promises. The Lord is serious about sin. In, in our age of grace, we can get pretty lax about our sin. Um, so uh, the confession comes, give glory to God, 
And here comes the confession, verse 20. Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. Not, yeah, I sinned, but um, my wife told me to do it. Oh, I sinned, but I needed to send my boys to school, to college. You know, don't we find good reasons as we justify our own sin? Here's what I did. I did it. I sinned, and here's what I did, verse 20. When I saw among the spoil, notice the process. There's a progression of sin. I think we can learn something from verse 21. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted. And took. I saw, I coveted, and I took. I mean, you know, there's there's the progress of sin, right? I mean, you can't help what you see. Sometimes. Yeah, same thing with Bathsheba. It's the same thing... um, in the garden. Yeah, exactly. That's Yes, this is just playing out what happened in the Garden of Eden. I saw, um, you know, guys, you can't go in public anywhere without seeing too much, without seeing immodesty, Right? Okay, but, but, but we can't help but see it, right? What do you do with it? You can help how long? A second look? Yeah. yeah, I saw, and he should have stopped right there and said, oh, yeah, that's right, God said don't take this, but he coveted. And then he took. You got to stop it. You got to stop the process. Uh, what's that old sin will take you farther, farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. There's processes to it. And here's the process. And Achan admits it. That's a great teaching opportunity for the people of Israel and the people of Israel. Pasadena of Providence, right? Um, So, Achan confessed his sin. He's not sorry because he's gotten caught. Yes, he didn't confess until he did. Very often, if people wait until they get caught, it's just they're sad of the consequences. But we hear from Achan's confession that he's not, it's not just the consequences. He saw, he coveted, and then he took. Here's a note from one of the comments. The real battle in Jericho rages not in the streets, but in the heart of one man. But 
You know, if you don't counter that first look, the passing thought, can you, can you, do you ever get a thought that you've not really thought about? You ever get a thought just enter and it's just there and you say, where in the world did that come from? Is that a sin? It's what you do with that thought. I mean, you just say, man, I hadn't thought that in 40 years. Well, some of you don't. I haven't lived 40 years yet. <laughs> but, but a thought comes in and you say, my goodness, what is that? But what do, you, what do we do with our thoughts? Always a way of escape. Always a way of escape. God always makes that way of escape. That's good. Huh? Yeah. Let's just stop right here. Go to 2 Corinthians 10. What's that? In 70 years. Yeah. You want to confess your thought, Jim? Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Not. James will confess it for you if he knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Second Corinthians 10. Uh, and I just have a note. The mind is the battlefield for temptation, right? Uh we can't fight off all temptation just with our mind. It's the work of the Spirit in our hearts and lives. But uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 3 of Second Corinthians. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. We'll lose that war. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every evil disobedience when your obedience is complete. The mind's the battlefield. Um, so we renew our minds. All right? Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to wash our minds out with the word of God. Uh, put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. That's Romans 13, 14. You've died to sin, Romans 6, 2. Now, reckon yourselves, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. So, there's his confession. Verse 21. I coveted them and took them and see... They are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. And so immediately, Joshua sends for the evidence. Verse 22, Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel and laid them down before the Lord. So the evidence is now presented. Verse 24. And Joshua and all of Israel took with, 
with him, and Joshua and all Israel with him, took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the cloak, and the bar of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his donkeys, and his sheep, and his, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought him up to the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble upon us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. Um, That picture right there, think about all of Israel participating in this. That kind of gives new meaning to your covenant as a church member that says, I agree to place myself under the discipline of the church and to participate in the discipline of others. We covenant with one another, not only to put ourselves under the discipline of the church, but to participate, to throw the stones. Well, we don't want to do that literally. We don't have to do that literally. And we are careful, not, you know, those who live in glass glass houses shouldn't throw rocks. But the point is we say in our covenant, we've covenanted together. Israel had covenanted together. The people of Israel were responsible not only to be disciplined under the covenant that God had made with them, but to participate in the discipline. We say the same thing. The hard times when that does come up, where everyone covenanted one with another to be involved, always to restore. Remember, God is doing this to restore fellowship with the people of Israel. Always is discipline meant to bring people back to the Lord. It's too late for Achan. But the nation is brought back, and now in chapter 8, we're going to see they're going to defeat AI with no problem at all because they dealt with the sin as God called them to deal with it. Um, So they're fulfilling their covenant responsibilities I mean, the, the, the analogy, you know, the application there with our covenant is a little different, but it's not. We're respo- we have responsibility. We have privileges one with another to be a part of a body. We also have responsibilities. Brucey. Responsibility here, it looks like Matthew 18 in a sense that but, you know, God doesn't expose the sin the way he did here. He exposes it little by little by little. Yeah. It brings the whole congregation to see the sin at the end, but they punish the end. Yeah, I just think about how long it took to go from the nation to the person and Joshua standing in I mean, Achan standing in line, waiting. <laughs> I, 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 that's none of my business, but uh, I just wonder about that. Yes, Dan? I would comment okay. that it looks like he had advance warning. Yeah. And that he had buried it in the earth. He didn't think he was going to get caught. He didn't think he was going to, yes. He did hide it. He hid his sin. And he had advanced warning. He could have undone it that night and burned it. Yeah. 
And the Lord said, if you burn it, right? Unless you destroy the devoted things, so there was some possibility of grace even at that point, maybe. maybe yeah, that. we don't know, do we? <clears throat> because he didn't do it until it was too late. Yes. Uh, be sure your sin will find you out. Isn't that what God said? And I may keep it from you the rest of my life. But God knows. God knows. To give glory to God because that's the purpose of your life. <laughs> but you see, David, David mm-hmm. he said repentance when David said, Thou art the man, he still lost his child. Mm-hmm. Lost his child, uh, blood in his family from that point on, plus he'd gone a year from the sin to. Uh, about, I mean, as best we can tell, it was a year between his his sin and his confession, and Nathan had to come do it. There may be consequences for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I don't know that we see so, repentance here. Where they, from they, from who? Aiken? Yeah, oh, yeah. I see confession. Yeah, there is confession, but, but I, I, there's no indication yeah. of. Confession is saying the same thing as God says. Yeah, he's saying the same thing God. He says, I did it, and here's what I did, and he lays it out. And even how he, he knew the process. He knew he had a chance when he saw it to stop, he knew he had a chance when he coveted it to stop, but he didn't. Verse 26, as we close. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Uh, you know, throughout, uh, throughout redemptive history, throughout God, uh, God uh, sets up these monuments throughout our scripture to impress here, to impress the memory within Israel of God's hatred of sin. You know, just a few miles, you got to go down the hill and into the Jordan Valley. You can walk, they could walk around and they could see a heap of stones that reminded them that God parted the Jordan River and brought them over into the promised land. Then they walk up the hill and they see another monument that God hates sin. So the presence of God uh, is now restored here, but the presence of God coming through the Jordan, down there in Gilgal, there's that monument. Here in Ai, there's another monument of stones. The troubler, Achan, they've named it the Valley of Achor, which is the Valley of Trouble. Uh, and calls to mind the whipping of that Ai gave to them, to Israel. Uh, remember Lot's wife? I don't know how long the pillar of salt was evident, but we're called in the Gospels to remember Lot's wife. Yes, Phil. You know, we we have a hard time really under 
understanding or understand what that, go ahead. All right. we, we have a hard time understanding the seriousness of our sin because our culture, our church culture, uh-huh. is, often is a culture of God loves the sinner but hates the sin. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't send the sin to hell. That's right, but he doesn't. <laughs> but he doesn't send the sin to hell. Okay. Yeah. But see, here, here's, here's what's a remedy for that. I, again, I'm going to say that's true in a sense, right? But the remedy of that is the Trinity. This is one of my pets from where I came from. We focus so much on the cross, so much on the forgiveness of the cross, and that is... So true to our faith, is it not? But we did not teach about God, the Father, much at all. So we lost a sense of the holiness and the righteousness of God. We're living in forgiveness right here. And then you get a vision of the holiness of God, and then we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit too much. We were almost, where I came from, we were almost Unitarians instead of Trinitarians in our focus upon the cross. Now, again, we got to have the cross. But we didn't look at the Holy Spirit very much because we liable to get a little bit wonky, a little crazy if we got too much into the Holy Spirit. We ignored two people of the Trinity and focused on the one and there was no holiness bearing down upon our life because once you're saved, you're always saved because we're living in redemption and no power to overcome sin or, or not no power, but, you know, a lack of emphasis. Just uh, enjoy, uh, loves the, God loves the sinner. He hates our sin. And we have the power. Of, that's the power of the Trinity in our salvation and in our life. Uh, we got to stop there. Anything you want to say? You know, I think about do this in remembrance of me. There's a little table out there that says do this in remembrance of me, but the Lord's Supper is another pile of stones as a monument for the death of Christ that we uh, live in. Let me just read you. I'm going to read few verses out of Hosea just to close. Hosea is preaching uh, the northern kingdom is in trouble. I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her ring ring and jewelry when after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. Remember the prostitute was the picture of Israel. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak speak tenderly to her, speaking of Israel, and there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt, and in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, 
and no longer call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And his wrath was satisfied. Israel's now, and Israel is poised for victory. Wonderful, merciful Savior we have who restores sinners into fellowship. Father, we thank you for this story and how something that happened so long ago is so pertinent to us as we go on the rest of this evening and tomorrow and all the days of our life. Thank you for showing us yourself and showing us ourselves through the people of Israel, in particular Achan, and then showing us your mercy and reminding us of our dear Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.